Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Look what we have tonight on the wrap-up show. Padres lose one nothing. We will get into it, I promise. Okay, everyone, take a deep breath. We're going to rant if you want to rant. But in the absence of Jim, who remains an idiot, um, I've got Ben Fadden from Talking Friars with us here tonight. Um, in fact, Ben, if you wouldn't mind for our viewers holding up the T-shirt that you have with you right now. All right, this is how we're going to start the show. I think this might be some good mojo. Look at that. Jim's an idiot. Jim's an idiot. Well said. Well said. Ben, um, real quick, as I always remind our viewers, subscribe, smash the like button, follow us on Twitter at John Schaefer, but at Talking Friars uh, for Ben Fadden. I really appreciate the super chats. Great way to support the work we're doing here myself, what Ben does at Talking Friars. Um, just hit the dollar sign below the chat box. Also, if you want to become a member of this channel, Click the join button down below. Uh, ben, thank you for hanging out as Jim is drinking pina coladas in uh, in Cabo. So good to see you. Thanks for hanging out. And, and before we get going, tell our viewers about your channel if they haven't uh, seen your content before. Yeah, so Talking Friars on YouTube, and then I'm big on social media as well, Twitter, Instagram, just at Talking Friars. And I do a little bit different than what John and Jim do yep. um, because I'm at a lot of the games. So coming home and doing just post-game every game, like this you know at 11 o'clock at night whatever it's probably not the best so i do pre-game thoughts you know a minute or two post-game reactions from petco usually when i'm at the game right after and then i do series reactions or if it's a four game series maybe a reaction to the first couple games on episodes uh, so it's available on podcast platforms as well you can just look up talking friars and you'll see it there uh, and then like on social media a lot of the in-game highlights that the Padres won't be posting or other big accounts won't be posting, bullpen charts. I, I just love trying to help other fans get closer to their favorite team. All right, so we got Ben with us. And yes, uh, if you haven't subscribed to Talking Friars, you should. If you haven't subscribed to the wrap-up show, you should. And we both have year-round Padres content. So just get, if you're into it like we're into it, like we consume it every single day, you need to be following uh, the work we're doing on social media and on YouTube as well. Um, all right, Ben, there, there's a lot to get through. Um, I think to be, if we're being fair, they're eight and nine. Is that right? They're eight and nine. Yep. 17 games in. Is it what we expected? No. I mean, to be fair, you probably were hoping for nine and eight, 10 and seven, maybe even 11 and six when the season started, right? You had high aspirations, huge expectations, but they're eight and nine. They're not four and 13. Um, today's a little bit of an exclamation point on a bad series where they just didn't hit other than Saturday night. And maybe that makes it feel like it's a bit worse than it is. You know, you Darvish was outstanding. You could argue that you lose on semantics or a rule change with the bulk and the disengagements that we're going to get into. And then you had chances, Ben. I mean, you were there. I mean, first inning, you need to score first and third, nobody out. You just got to find a way. 
for three, four, and five. Second inning, one out runner. Third, you, you should score. Ninth inning, you load the bases against a really good pitcher. And, you know, Trent uh, Grisham didn't swing there with the count full. But, I mean, it's a, it was a tough series, right? I mean, it was a very tough series. But at the end of the day, you know, it, it's eight and nine. It's, it's not four and 13. And reinforcements are coming. Yeah, I, I'm definitely looking at, I think we all are, looking for the return of Fernando on Thursday. Mm-hmm. The guy's like the best hitter ever created in El Paso right now. <laughs> uh, so that's great to see. It's encouraging. I know it means nothing right now. But, yeah, I, I'm looking at that. I'm looking at the return for Musgrove and hopefully Swarves at some point. Uh, but, yeah, this this series, I, I said on my show, it's 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 like a roller coaster, you know? highs there's lows in this series there was lows and then there was a high on saturday and then it went crashing right back down today i mean there was just a lot of opportunities that were missed that were missed and there were some times where it was just three up three down innings. i mean sometimes they made wade miley look like he was an amazing amazing starting pitcher and that's just not what he is at this point in his career like you talked about standing first and third with no outs Soto strikes out looking Cruz strikes out and then Jake Cronenworth has the fly out to left um, and then in the second inning runner on third one out Gresham struck out and his book struck out and if Tatis was in the lineup would Tatis have struck out in place of his car maybe not maybe he would have home but right now all we can talk about is what this team looks like right now and the right field spot has definitely been a hole. Grisham cannot be striking in spots like he did in the ninth inning, spot like he did in the second inning. Soto can't be striking out looking either. Like strikeouts is what I think bugs a lot of Padres fans because, and I'm sure a lot of Padres fans were told this in Little League too, like make the defense beat you. You strike out, you're not even getting yourself a chance to score these runs. And Grisham, ninth inning, taking that pitch, I, I thought it was a ball maybe a little high when I was at the stadium, and I saw it, like, that's it's like right down the middle. Like, it's just got to improve. They have to limit the strikeouts in situations like this where they're already not scoring runs. You know, so just disappointing series. Obviously getting blown out on Friday. That game was over before the Padres even really came on you know on offense in the bottom of the first yeah yeah chad yeah soto and walk mode a little bit um he's rolling off off on a lot of balls though he's just i don't know it's it's got to improve he's just not synced up right now it feels like okay a couple of things first of all your internet is like gyms for whatever reason your internet's normally good right do you want to do you want to log yeah, my, out log in Would you yeah hang full? on yeah okay let Ben do his thing. Okay, he's going to re-enter the chat. If you're wondering where Jim is, everyone is. He's in Cabo. He's drinking pina coladas. He's drunk. He's an idiot. Uh, he'll be back tomorrow. He's watched zero seconds of the Padres the last four days. So you're, you're missing nothing, not having Jim. Um, and Ben's been at these games <laughs> the last four days. Well, Jim's been drinking pina coladas. So I figured we'd bring Ben in for a collab and talk about um, what's happened here over the course of the weekend. I mean, I, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. If it was me doing a show solo tonight, I would tell you that this is really anemic offensively. 
There's no guarantee anything changes, by the way, Thursday when Fernando Tatis Jr. returns, as good as he's been in AAA. There's no guarantee he hits the ground running. I think and hope he will. Um, and the Juan Soto thing is completely perplexing. Ben, what's going on? Hopefully it's good. I okay. don't know what's happening. Okay, we got Ben back. Here's what I would say about Soto. Ben, I don't know if you read Chelsea James in the Washington Post today. She wrote about Soto. Um, I just read it. Um and it was really insightful. She spoke with him. And you saw some, there's been some interesting quotes from Soto. I don't know if you've seen all of them or some of them. You saw the MLB.com quote, right? Where he's like, we we know I need to be fixed. It's just nobody's like fixing me. Right. So yeah. th that's paraphrasing. And then there was uh, the quote you saw tonight in The Athletic. Yeah. I'm sure you've seen that. Which basically said, I'm never going to have more fun than 2019. Um, you know, with that group of veterans, nobody was thinking about free agency. He may have been talking about himself, you know, in the present moment about thinking about free agency. But I mean, what's happened here with Soto is no longer a quick fix. I mean, it really is. I told you all year last year, give it time, give it time, give it time. And it's going to be hard for me to go down that path much longer in 2023. He, he was quoted extensively about um, his issues, which is he's pulling the ball way more than he ever did in D.C., He's pulling the ball over 50% of the time. He was pulling the ball under 40% of the time at the Nationals. He's trying to go the other way. It's not happening. And what it's resulting in is a lot of ground balls to the right side when he's not putting the ball in the air. He's had some exceptions. The 450-whatever-foot home run was a thing of beauty. So, I mean, he's had a few moments. He has been able to get on base. Nobody wants to hear about it, though, because he's making a lot of money. And if they sign him, he's going to make even more money. Um. I don't really know what to say. I still believe ultimately he's going to produce and produce in a big way this year. I know people in the chat don't want to hear it. I know they're living it and dying on this every single day. I believe it's going to happen. I don't know what it's going to take to happen. I don't know why this is happening. Is it pressing? Is it trying to impress the you know the home fans where he's been terrible at Petco now since last year? He's been much better on the road. Um, is it mechanics? I think he said today to Chelsea James it is mechanical. Um so I just got to kind of believe in the process, Ben, but it's, it has been somewhat frustrating to watch. Yeah. So I did not see the Chelsea Janes article, but okay. I saw the Ken Rosenthal one. And I think that's just, I wouldn't read too much into that uh, about the 2019 stuff. I think he just really loved that year. And he's, he was such a young player at the time. No like, it's just, that's going to be at the top, but yeah, with Soto, I mean, the quick fix thing, I, I don't think it's going to be a quick fix, but I, I think it could be like within a week. If he really tries in the – I'm not saying he's not trying now, but if he really tries and maybe there's an off day like how they had with Jake Cronenworth and he finds something in the cage, really just trying to go oppo like all day one day. Maybe. Maybe that's all it takes. Just try to go oppo all day in the cage one day and then have that day off, come back the next day and see what happens. I don't I don't think it's anywhere about him batting in the order, him batting second or him batting third. He is rolling over on a lot of pitches. I don't know if it's pitchers they've all they, they found him out like how to pitch to him, but it's Juan Soto. Like this doesn't feel like a player where oh, he was a rookie, had a really good year and now the second year pitchers have found how to get him out. Like he's one of the best hitters in baseball. So that's why it's just so confusing and maddening to a lot of Padres fans as to why he continues to struggle at the plate. He keeps getting on base, but no one wants to hear about the walks. Right. No doubt. Uh, there was, um, 
I'm glad you mentioned, you know, the way people are pitching to him. So, and someone just put in the chat here about him hunting high fastballs and he's not getting them. Did you hear this? It might've been during the Saturday national game with Jason Benetti on the call. And I want to say you probably were watching it because you weren't there. Yeah. And I want to say Jason said, and I was really surprised by this. His last breaking ball home run was in July of last year. He has not homered off a pitch last other than a fastball. Breaking ball home run was in July. Nope. What is that? Of last year. That might be me. I hear myself in the background. Did you hear that? Yeah. I don't think it's, I don't have anything else open. I hear myself in the background. Did you hear that? Yeah. I don't think it's, I don't have anything else open. I hear myself in the background. It's not me. Yeah. I don't think it's, I don't have anything else open. I hear myself in the background. It's not me. Yeah. You guys hear that, right? I don't have anything else open. Ben, close me. Close yeah, out. You guys hear that, right? Okay. <laughs> what is happening? Test one, two. It's definitely on Ben's side. Lord. We're going to get to all these supers. Thank you, guys. Vector, I'm going to get to in a moment. I want to make sure to give you the time that I want to give to it. Jason, we're going to get your super. Thank you guys for your support. If you want to make sure to support this channel, if you want to get something off your chest tonight, a great way to do it is with the super chat. Just click the dollar sign in the chat box down below. Um, we're talking, But again, Juan Soto has not hit a home run off anything other than the fastball since last July. You think, that, you think opponents don't realize that? I mean, they clearly realize that. And here's the other thing with Soto. He doesn't swing early in counts. So you can get ahead of him on a fastball and then never throw him one again. And that actually happened today, I want to say, early in the game. Let me get Ben back in here. All right, talk. Hello, hello, hello. I feel like Jim. Okay, we're good. Someone said you're like young Jim with the internet issues. Yeah, that's what um, it feels okay. like. Okay, let's let's get to some of these super chats. But yeah, it's, you know, I was just saying, Ben, while you're gone briefly, like I'm watching some of these ABs and what I'm noticing, if I'm noticing it, they're noticing it. Teams will try to get ahead of Soto throwing an early fastball that they know he's going to take or often he's going to take because he's not very trigger happy for whatever reason. And then he doesn't see a fastball again in the count. Um, you look at the way... You know, Miley pitched to him um, early in this game. Uh, it's just the way he's being pitched to is like it's breaking, it's off speed, it's breaking, it's off speed. And it's like it's becoming frustrating for him. And he's just not getting the pitches clearly he wants to get. And I think when he does get those pitches, he's laying off them for whatever reason. And he's getting so few hittable fastballs that when he gets a fastball, I remember when I was in the minor leagues, they would say this. When you get a fastball, you might not get another. You better be prepared to hit it because it's tough to hit anything else in the big leagues. And even for Juan Soto, we're seeing that. Let me get to the super here from Vector53 who says, bats being inconsistent, pods baseball for years. You know, there is something about, you know, the Padres, Ben, as you know, I mean, they've loaded up with this offense. They've spent a fortune of money. It's never been more primed to break out. But there's something about April, May, even June baseball at Petco Park, you look at the conditions this weekend, it's not an excuse because they lost three out of four games. The other team won. It's not like Milwaukee had a great offensive game tonight, but you know, you're know you playing a 55-degree weather with heavy marine layer, and that has not been beneficial to the Padres this year or previous years either. Yeah, there's been some balls this this past series that were like warning track balls, didn't yep. get out. I'm hearing an echo somehow. <laughs> Don't know what's going on here. Uh yeah, there's been, yeah, it's definitely a fact. I think Nelson Cruz, he's gotten hit on some of those already. Uh, getting back to Juan Soto, yep. some of the pitches there, like, 
I think Wade Miley was at first at bat today. There were multiple fastballs up high in the zone that he swung through. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, this is not Juan Soto. He doesn't swing at those pitches. Or if he swings at them, he makes contact with them. Because high fastballs, it doesn't seem like that's his pitch. The home run that he hit against the Mets, I think that was a little high, but it wasn't as high as that pitch was. So maybe he's just trying to really get out of this slump by just swinging at pitches he's not supposed to be swinging at. Um, yeah, the, the bats, they're inconsistent. That's the big problem, I think, with this Padres team right now. It's not, it's not the pitching. I think the starting pitching has been pretty good. There's been some exceptions, a couple outings, and then Snell, obviously. But starting pitching has been fine. The offense just can't score enough runs for that starting pitching to look better than it has. I'm with you. Let me get to this super here from uh, Jason. Guys, as you make your way in, please subscribe here on Padres Content. Smash the like button for us. Follow us on Twitter at John Schaefer at Talking Friars. Thank you for your support with the Super Chats. Great way to support this channel. If you want to just rant tonight, if you want to make sure we get to something that's on your mind, hit the dollar sign. It's right below the chat box. We get to all of the supers, as you know, like this one from Jason Ramirez with the cool little San Diego chicken emoji there. He says, Darvish looks fly again, which is true. Darvish is great tonight. You couldn't ask for anything more from you, Darvish. Um, Soto still struggling with timely hits. I think he's 0 for 12 in the series. Um, Fernando looks 100% and it's April. No reason to panic. Any thought on Carpenter's play? Let me start with this. Um, Darvish, this is great because we didn't know what to expect. And here we are a couple starts in and he's good. He's throwing 100 plus pitches. He's going deep into games. He threw everything for strikes today. He was getting all kinds of movement. So he was really good. Super encouraging. What I didn't love that I want to get into is what happened in the second inning that you know could have been the difference between winning and losing tonight, which is the way that they allowed that run. Um, I forget how the leadoff man reached, Ben. Was it a single or not? Yeah, bunt single. Bunt single, that's right. That Machado then kind of threw down the right field line. Didn't cost him anything. It's fine. Um, so well-placed bunt, which is killed Darvish. <laughs> okay, that's like the right. third or fourth bunt against him already. Then... Bob Melvin talked about this post game. He thought when he stepped off so early in a sequence with the clock still at like 12, it wasn't a disengagement because he stepped back on before eight, but it was a disengagement. There was then a second disengagement and you can only have three. So when he threw to first, if he doesn't record a pickoff, the runner is automatically awarded a second base or second base. That's the bulk. Yep. Well, it proves overly costly because then he steals third, just a running jump. Nothing Austin Nola could do. You could put it more on Darvish than Nola, but I don't know if you're going to keep him off third in that spot. And then a sack fly. But without the disengagement, who knows if a run scores in that inning. You could certainly say the run's not going to score in that inning. And my issue with the disengagement, and there were a couple of things. They talked about the pitch comm issues with the disengagement because Nola was actually calling for a pitch out. But because of how Pitchcom was activated, and Ben, we can talk more about this, Darvish actually thought he was calling for a throw over, and that was the third disengagement. So I hate that. And then the other thing is, like, this is the regular season, and you wish that this stuff was all buttoned up based on what happened in spring training, but there wasn't an opportunity to button it up with someone like you, Darvish. He was barely, literally barely in spring training. Left for Japan the day he signed that contract extension before spring training and didn't get back until the final days of camp. So some of it you chalk up to, Hey, it's new, but you hate to lose a game over something that you just chalk up. Yeah. So with Darvish, I mean, this, this thing was weird. Like yep. 
two disengagements. So, so he thought when he stepped off and then got back on that that's not a disengagement. Correct. Which I don't understand. Like, you stepped off the mound, that's a disengagement. Yes. It, it shouldn't matter where the clock is. Yes. But then he picked off because that's what he heard in his ear. Nola, he hit the wrong button. There's modes on this pitchcom device. There's modes for pitches, and then I think there's a different total set for pickoffs right. and pitch outs. Yeah, exactly. And Nola, he hit the pickoff when Melvin signaled to Nola, pitch out. That's the confusion there for Padres fans that didn't really understand that. I didn't yep. understand that till I was home because I was at the game. That yep. the umpires, I think they need to have mics and tell us what's going on because yeah. that just doesn't make sense to people that sure. are at the ballpark. No uh, doubt. But yeah, that communication. And then you know, with, so with Darvish, I can blame him for the disengagement thing. It's a disengagement. You should know that. But he was also told to step off. And when you're on the mound, probably trying to focus on the batter and you hear in your ear pick off you're going to just pick off like that's just you you heard it so you're just going to do it he probably wasn't thinking oh i already have two disengagements i can't throw over unless i'm going to throw this guy out and he wasn't going to throw him out so it was just a lot of miscommunication is what was happening there which i hate because there's already you know this band there's already been at least multiple instances where you've had a pitch com issue in the first couple of weeks of the season you had snell who was very critical of it um, whatever you want to say about that, if you if you believe any of it, it was a it was a big issue in a close loss, right? They had that was the two nothing the game they led two nothing. They ended up losing five two five three in New York, and he allowed that what solo home run maybe to Pete Alonso in that spot that either gave I think gave them yeah, the lead. He he wanted to throw a fastball instead of throwing ball three, I guess is what he was right saying. as opposed to taking an auto ball. He ended up electing to throw late in the pitch clock. And he, and he also admitted, hey, it wasn't a good pitch. You know, I didn't throw it where I wanted to, to throw it. But he kind of threw pitch calm under the bus, whatever. Maybe it's an excuse. Maybe there's some truth to it. And then today, I mean, you lose a game by a run where the only run scores as a result of a pitch calm issue. Now, I don't think I'm wrong with this. I just heard a conversation on this recently. Pitch calm has become the usage of choice in baseball. As in like a year ago, it was like 40 or 50% of the guys are using it. And now it's like 90 plus percent, especially with the clock, because it just quickens your ability to get signs. You don't have to decipher. Um, you don't have to worry about crossing signals, nor runners on base, right? That everyone was worried about for forever in the mid 2010s because of sign stealing. So, okay, it makes sense. With all that being said, if, if there are any issues with it, you can um, you can go back to straight signs, you know. So it's just something to consider. You know, Blake Snell was critical of it. You Darvish had an issue with it here tonight. I don't know if it's going to happen or not, um, but there have been other instances as you watch these games that where pitchcom pops up, and it's like you hate to lose a game over something like that. And again, I you know I don't know. Maybe this is less about pitchcom and more about you Darvish would have thrown over regardless. And didn't realize he had already used a disengagement, which is on him. But uh, to get to Jason's original point here on Carpenter, you know, his sample size is even smaller than all these regulars because he's not playing every single day. Um, he hasn't hit. He hasn't really gotten on base. Um, but how many at-bats is it, Ben? I mean, it, it can't be many plate appearances at this 30, point. 30 at-bats. 30 at-bats. I, I prefer to see more than that with any player from being fair, but I mean, no, I mean, he hasn't been great, but that's like a lot of the guys in this lineup, to be honest. Yeah. And if you look at his game logs, so he played today, 
he had one at bat today and he swung at the yeah. first pitch. I, I yeah. didn't really like that. Uh, started yesterday, but then his last game before that was the 13th, then the 12th, but then he's not playing every day. Right. 10th, 8th, 6th, 4th. It's hard probably for him. Yeah. It's hard probably for him to get into a rhythm like that. But yeah, he's a platoon. And Nelson Cruz, he's playing well in yep. that role. And Matt Carpenter's not. I said on my show today, like, I think it's too early to be having any real opinion on Matt Carpenter right now because of such a small sample size, especially when he's platooning. Like, we can't say, oh, this Carpenter deal, I wish we had Josh Bell or I wish we had Brandon Drury. It's just too small of a sample size right now. So I just don't think it's fair to really. I mean, we can criticize what we've seen so far, but just to make a, a jump, you know, to the conclusion already about Carpenter, I think it's just not, that's not the thing to do right now. All right, let me get to uh, another super here. Thank you, Jason. Really do appreciate it. Thank you, Matt, as well. If you guys want to contribute, if you want to get our thoughts on a certain subject, again, the Padres lose three or four to the Brewers. They lose today. Really, a, just a tough way to lose. one nothing. the difference, the disengagement, <laughs> really, between potentially you know winning or losing than just all types of wasted opportunities, which has been the story of the first couple of weeks for the Padres where they're just not hitting situationally or hitting with men in scoring position first and third for three, four and five in the first inning. You just have to score. You just have to score runner third one out in the second inning. You should score. And when you load the bases in the ninth inning like there, you're just, you're just thinking it's your, it's your time. And then you get the full count for Grisham and he takes a fastball. I, I don't know what you're looking for in that spot. I get it. Devin Williams is very capable. He's very dangerous. Um, but man, it brings back memories of 2022 when I see Trent Grisham taking taking third strikes you know the only thing i was thinking there was he was looking change up because that was must have been the pitch that evan williams was continuing to go to i mean he struck yep. out chronoworth on that he that change up was really really working for him so i'm thinking he was thinking change up but it's three two like i'd rather have you go down swinging than strike out looking like that yeah you have to. You just have to protect three two with the game on the line. You just absolutely have to. And that that was a, that was an issue last year with Trent Grisham. He struck out a number of times looking to end games in twenty twenty two. Matt, thank you for the super. He says uh, thoughts on what the lineup is going to look like. I, I assume we're talking about Thursday. Um, I also am assuming come Thursday that you're going to have Tatis at the top of the lineup. That would be my assumption. Um, my other assumption is Juan Soto will bat behind him. Uh, my other assumption is Manny Machado will, will bat behind those two. And then my other assumption is Xander Bogarts is your cleanup batter. And then from there, you've just you've lengthened and deepened, which is great, especially if Tatis can hit in any way like he's hit right now in AAA, which is just the most absurd three or four game stretch you'll ever see. And I called 15 years of AAA games, and I never saw anything like what Fernando Tatis Jr. just did over the course of this weekend. So you, you have to like it, what the possibilities are. Um, but truth is that they're all going to have to pick up their play. You know, Tatis won't carry everything, even if he comes up and hits. They're going to need production from the Sotos and the Machados and the Bogarts as well. But, I mean, I'm, I'm excited and, and encouraged, certainly, by what we're seeing from Tatis. Yeah. Uh, over the weekend, when you're seeing him hit home runs, it feels like in every at-bat. Every at-bat. I'm wa I watch some of the at-bats. And I'm watching or looking on social media for updates. And when you're, I didn't see the home run today, like live, because I was going to the stadium. But when you go back and you listen to it, 
and Tim Haggerty's like, no way in the middle of the call. You know that he's going nuts right now. Like he mm-hmm. is just on a different level. I know it's AAA pitching. Yep. It's not major league pitching. People all flies are, in the PCL. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Haters of his are gonna do that. But I love what I'm seeing right now. He's healthy. The guy led the league in 2021, and he didn't play the full season. Played like 130 games. He was playing in, with one one healthy arm, and he is healthy now. And I, I'm pretty sure he's motivated to prove a lot of people wrong, and he just cannot wait to get back on the major league level. So, yeah, everything that I've seen so far is encouraging. The slow start to spring training. Remember when everyone was freaking out about that? Oh, yeah. That oh, feels such a long time ago. He's I mean, what is he in the since outfield. then? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. I'm in AAA, right? 515 average, I believe. One <laughs> 1,802 OPS. Yeah, it's stupid. I mean, you're in crazy <laughs> bonkers, not even, you know, Babe Ruth, right? If you looked at like a 30-game stretch or Barry Bonds. I mean, that's it's stupid. Again, it's a very small sample size, but what he's yeah. doing is truly, truly remarkable. All right, I want to get back to the chat in a moment. Um, again, if you want to contribute, just click the dollar sign below the chat box. Great way to support the work we're doing here on the wrap-up show. Also, Ben Fadden's Talking Friars page as well. I do want to thank our title sponsor here on the wrap-up show, Mark Nimitz at Farmers Insurance, who is a great insurance agent because I've had my insurance through him for about two years at this point, and he can save you money, and he can take care of whatever you need. I've got a life insurance policy, a homeowner's policy, an earthquake insurance policy through Mark. He can save you $750 or more just by switching your insurance over to him. He's in Poway. He's a San Diegan. He's a huge Padres fan. The next time you have a renewal need, get in contact with Mark. He would love to talk to you about how he can save you money, about the Padres as well, but auto, home, business, life, condo, renters. Here's a link to his website. Click the description down below on YouTube. You'll get a link to his website. You can see it on the screen. You can get a quote online. Mark is a great insurance agent with great customer service, great communication. And again, the next time you have a renewal or the next time you have a new insurance need, before you contact someone else, if you want to support this channel, if you want to support a local business, get in contact with our buddy Mark Nimitz, the title sponsor of the wrap-up show. Without Mark's support, we would be unable to do this day in and day out. So thank you, Mark. We do appreciate it. All right, John Schaefer, Ben Fadden with you. It is a Sunday night. Padres... Uh, lose this afternoon to the Brewers on that marine layer, gray, foggy Sunday afternoon, one nothing. Uh, wasted opportunities early against Wade Miley. Had a chance there in the ninth inning to tie it or win it, but came up empty. Um, let me get to a super that just rolled in here from Martin. And again, if you want to make sure we get your comment, just click the dollar sign in the chat box down below or just below the chat box like Martin just did. Martin, thank you so much for hanging out. Thank you for the super. He says... Uh, Love Hassan Kim, definitely, but I really liked yesterday's lineup, especially when Toddy is back. I think if Carp gets more ABs, he's going to hit. Great approach at the plate. Um, what, do you, what do you make of, of this in general? I mean, I think Hassan Kim is basically going to be your, your starting second baseman, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's going to be the same defensive alignment with just Zokar out, essentially. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, here's the thing. They they have had no production out of right field. None. I mean, 29th or 30th in baseball in OPS. So, you know, you could argue that's a bad thing. Or you could say, well, that, there's a lot of room for growth. If you're going from the worst OPS in right to a guy that's ca- capable of being, you know, top five, 
OPS hitter in the position. I mean, and maybe I'm being cautious when I say top five. He's capable of being better than that, but he certainly could be one of the top five right fielders offensively in the game. So that could be, I mean, that just could be impactful. I mean, how could Tatis not impact your lineup significantly? Now you could say the same thing. How could Juan Soto not impact your lineup significantly or Manny Machado or Xander Bogarts? But, I mean, you can't undersell the importance of Fernando Tatis Jr. No, definitely not. I mean, look at what he has done in his career when he's been on the field. He always has. There's been minimal slumps. Minimal. Yep. And I think 2021 might have slumped beginning of the year. But it did. then look how, many, look how he finished the year. Uh, and going back to the struggles in right field, mm-hmm. let's go around the league, right? Mookie Betts, you take him off the Dodgers, and you take away their bench right fielder because yeah. that's what's happened here with David Dahl being gone. You put an infielder in right field with Brunetto Dorr sometimes. How is that going to play out for every other team? You know, take Aaron Judge off the Yankees. and Yeah, it's not going to be good. Like, yeah, it's not going to work <laughs> out great. Right. So, that's true. yeah, for, you know, I think Tatis, yeah, such he's going to provide such a boost, I think, energy-wise. Players have said that. Energy-wise, performance-wise, it'll help out the lineup. Yeah, everything's going to be better. Yeah, I think you're basically going from like a 600 OPS position. You know, maybe it's higher than that, but not much higher. To the possibility, I mean, conservatively a 900 OPS from Tatis, but with an upside of 1,000 plus. Now, maybe I'm being overly optimistic. Maybe it takes him two weeks, three weeks to get going, and he's not a 900 OPS player, but he's not going to be a 600 OPS player for three weeks. There's no way. So you're going to get more production out of the position. He's an athlete. I think he's going to field his position well. I think we've already seen his arm. So I think he's not just helping at the plate, to be honest. I think he can help you in the field. Um, And he'll DH, obviously, occasionally as well. He'll get some off days early on. They're not going to play him 142 straight games or whatever is going to be remaining in the season. So you're going to have to deal with some of that as well. I, I know this. I'm going to hate not seeing him in there if he's producing immediately. If he's producing, I'm going to need to see him, especially with the struggles we've seen out of this offense, you can kind of ill afford not to have him in there if he's going to be a guy that's capable of hitting and, and hitting for for power. Right, and there's going to be more off days coming up. Like yes. This is a brutal stretch to start the year for the Padres, especially when they've been down players and going to a six-man rotation and they didn't have some starters in the rotation and Tatis being suspended. It's been tough, and they've had some tough teams as well. So there's going to be more off days for him to have off days without having to take an off day. He'll be he'll probably be part of the double off day where he DHs one day before yep. an off day. You'll see that. Um, they have a plan. Don't freak out when if he's not in there for every it won't be game, every day. It won't be every, every day. game. You know, for the next two weeks when he comes back, that's just not going to happen. Uh, but he's going to be in there most most games definitely. And when he's hot, yeah, they're going to keep playing him. I think. By the way, five off days in a 15-day period, I think beginning with the trip to Mexico City. Now, there's some travel in there. They go from Chicago, I think, to Mexico City. There's an off day. And then there's four additional off days over the course of the next couple of weeks, which actually probably provides Tatis the opportunity to play a lot. Because there's mm-hmm. those built-in off days, it probably allows him to play a lot. Here's the other thing it allows you, I think, to go to a five-man rotation when Joe Musgrove comes back, at least for a period of time, not for eternity, but at least for a period of time, I think it protects your bullpen a little more. Um, I think as you get length out of guys like you, Darvish, hopefully eventually Blake Snell, you know you'll get it out of Musgrove, presumably after a start or two, 
with all those off days, I don't think you need a six-man rotation, Ben, because you're asking guys then to pitch every seventh or eighth day with the off days. So at least over a two- or three-week period, I think I would shorten this thing down and see what I can get out of it and then strengthen my bullpen. Definitely. Look at Darvish, Musgrove. They like pitching every fifth day. Yeah. Blake Snell, probably going to like pitching more frequently every fifth day to get into a rhythm. Waka, right. he's a veteran every fifth day. You're not dealing with rookies who are like, yeah, every sixth day I'm used to that. You know, we're not having Otani on here pitching once a week. Like, yep. no, it's every fifth day. You can move Lugo or Martinez to the bullpen. You can move Weathers to the bullpen and send down Chris Matt or whoever you want, Kinnear as well, because he just got brought up today with Tapia going down. It improves the bullpen, and Musgrove coming in improves the rotation. So, yeah, when he comes back, it's probably a win-win. Agreed. All right, Jesse, thank you for hanging out. Jesse, uh, I want to say, is out in Hawaii. So, Jesse, thank you for hanging out on this uh, Sunday early evening on the islands. And Jesse says, I understand them, but I personally hate bunts. Such a sorry way to get a hit, but I guess a hit is a hit. I mean, it's really hurt Darvish. Um, he was done in by that at City Field in one of those ridiculous innings that you'll never see. Two bunts on the chalk in the same inning. Had Manny Machado literally laughing. Um, and then you, Darvish, saying post game, maybe I'm I'm lucky to have so much, to, you know, to be unlucky. Like mm -hmm. it's almost rare to see something like that happen. Obviously, over the course of like a season, and it happened in one inning. Um, it is part of the game, and you know, whatever. I mean, the Padres have used bunts to their advantage. The Brewers today used a bunt to their advantage. The bunt isn't what did in the Padres. What hurt them a lot. We, we know about this, Ben. And we should talk about it. The, the run games have killed the Padres early on. Um, I know Bob Melvin talked about that post game. Um, they've been doing PFP pitchers fielding practice. They've been trying to be quicker to the plate, which I think by and large, you know, Melvin said today they were, it wasn't because they were overly slow to the plate. Although Darvish, I don't think paid any attention when third base was stolen. I don't know if it would have mattered or not. Um, so I'm less concerned about the bunt and I'm more concerned about their ability to just tighten up some of these things that are going to be so critical this year. I mean, the steel game has been huge in major league baseball in the first month of the season. And the Padres just need to do a better job of slowing down, not stopping, but slowing down opponent run game. Yeah, part of that is Austin Nola. Like, that just hurts sometimes. Yep. And another part of it is the pitchers. They, they got to work faster to the plate, some of them, like Darvish, like Snell. Some have to pick over more. instead. Like, there's sometimes where it feels like the Padres, they pick over to second base once the guy's already stole second base. Right. They pick over there more than they do to first base. So they've just got to find a way to keep runners closer. And sometimes with the Diamondback, like teams like the Diamondbacks, they're mm -hmm. going to steal. It doesn't matter what team they're facing. They're going to steal some bases. That With those teams, it's hard to prevent that. Yep. You got to just be able to prevent those guys from getting, for, well, they're at second, prevent them from just scoring. Those are teams where you just have to shut down the offense. But other teams where you can shut them down because they don't have all the speed, that's where you got to really hone in on cutting down the run game. And the pitch comm stuff, I think that's going to get ironed out. I wonder if, and let me know your thoughts on this, I wonder if later in the year is the Padres' run game control going to be better because pitchers will be more used to the pitch clock. I fear, feel now maybe some are rushed and they're just not thinking about a runner on first. A catcher is focused on getting a pitch into the pitcher, 
And if he doesn't like it, then they're just they're just you know focused on each other instead of on a runner that's on base. I would say fair, but I would always compare it to the other twenty nine MLB teams. You know, it's like if the Padres are having issues with it, but half of the teams aren't, then what's different about the Padres and their starters and their catchers? Than the rest of baseball and I, I would tell you one of the reasons is the Padres catching situation is is not ideal it's just not um I'm not saying it's the worst in baseball Austin Nola hasn't hit that doesn't mean he's he's a 100 hitter he's been a 100 hitter that doesn't mean he is a 100 hitter Luis Campusano I think is great upside but it's upside it's still potential it's not you know a guarantee right now that this guy can be a complete catcher calling games slowing down run games and hitting and hitting for power offensively. So it's a little bit of a work in progress. I think they tried to address catcher maybe in the offseason and didn't necessarily, you know, come through the way they wanted to. And I don't know if they realized that that running was going to be so significant with the larger bases and the disengagements that what is it, Ben? I, I think they've they've thrown out one of 23 or one of 24 would-be base stealers this year. I mean, other teams are seeing that. And they are going to run until the Padres figure out a way to stop it. That's what's going to happen. And like you said, at some point, hopefully they figure out a way to stop it and it halts it. But in the t- for the time being, like they're going to Phoenix next weekend, like you said, um, th- this is not going to stop until the Padres find a way to stop it, would be my guess. And you talk about the Padres as well, like 29 other teams and the Padres. The Padres, they're not a team that's going and stealing a bunch of bases. They're not. Maybe they'll change, hopefully, when Tati comes in here. But – what about the other guys on the team? I don't know if that's going to change with them. So right. uh, maybe other teams are just taking advantage of it because they have guys or their manager wants to steal more. Maybe the Padres are just reliant on the bat that we have instead of getting guys more in scoring position. I don't know, but it's got to get better. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Um, your internet is kind of like Jim's, but we'll deal with it. <laughs> you do you do more content than, than we do. Um, maybe it's just the wrap up show. There's always an issue with someone's internet on the wrap up show. What's the what's the latest on Campusano, Ben? J- yeah, he has a jam thumb. He's day to day. Yeah, that's he, what I thought. I thumb, thought he was day to day. Yeah, thumb went numb. He's not catching right now. He's he's throwing. He was throwing Bogarts earlier today. Another coach I think is catching for him and then giving him the ball. So gotcha. hopefully progresses it's not i don't think it's a long-term thing yeah no hopefully not hopefully not i mean you know as as big of a concern as the run game is against the padres and i do hope tatis runs by the way he's still a little bit in spring training and in triple i think he's got a couple of steals and just limited action in triple i hope they let him run i mean i think he's capable of stealing 15 plus bases even off these injuries and the suspension i just hope they let him run a little bit but one of the big concerns ben of the first whatever, 17 games, two and a half weeks, is their inability to hit with men in scoring position. And it's not just hit, situationally hit as well. I think they were 0 for 6 here today. I think they, they're last in the National League. I don't know if it's the major leagues, but last in the National League in hitting with runners in scoring position. Now, it's 17 games. I think it can change. But 
you know, it's tough to be really good when you're really bad in that area, if that makes sense. And they've been really bad in that area, and they haven't been a really bad team. They're eight nine. That's not the worst team in baseball. They're not the best either. But that's something that, I mean, there's no easy answer. That's one through nine impacting, right? Runners in scoring positions isn't one player. But um, is it pressing? Is it lack of clutch hit? I don't. I can't put my finger on it to be honest with you. It feels like there's just a lot of strikeouts with runners in scoring positions. So tons. They're not putting the ball in the air in the outfield with guys on third base like they had the opportunity to do today, and the Brewers did with, I believe, Mitchell on third base. Mm -hmm. Little things like that. Um, Just putting the ball in play. Again, going back to my point of making the defense get the out. Don't just allow the pitcher to do it. Make the defense do it. Because if you're not going to let the defense do it, then obviously you're not bringing runs in because you're striking out all the time. Um, I think that's my main issue with runners in scoring position. Their troubles there is there's too many strikeouts right now. And I agree with this from Brent. You know, hitting is contagious. Just need a few guys to get it started. That's 100% accurate. It's This is all too familiar. When a player struggles, a lineup can struggle. Or when a lineup is struggling, struggling it's hard for one player to solely lift the lineup out of it. Maybe Fernando Tatis Jr. is an exception. I recall in 2021 when he had missed some time and he came back in Phoenix and he had two home runs in a game. Now it didn't completely change the season, if you recall. I mean, but but he, you know, he's the the type of player. So is Machado. So is Soto. Hopefully, so is Bogarts. We've seen these first couple of weeks. Tatis can do can do all the heavy lifting. When you have a player like Tatis or Soto or Machado in a lineup, you don't need production out of anyone else. If someone's gonna hit two home runs in a game, you can win. If someone's gonna hit a three run home run in a game, you can win. So that's what I'm waiting on. I'm waiting for the individual performances to win the Padres games that other teams can't win. The rest will come. There's going to be stretches where two of the big four or three of the big four are hitting all at the same time. There's going to be stretches where the bottom of the lineup is hitting at the same time. But when you're not hitting, what you could really use in moments where you're not hitting is just individual efforts. A Soto two-home run game. A Machado homer and double. A Tatis homer and double. Um you know, and, and I feel like they're due for something like that, Ben. I really do. I don't know if it's going to come against Atlanta or, a lot or not. Atlanta's good. Their pitching we're about to see is really good. I know the Padres just took three out of four, but the Braves are aware of that as well. Um, but it's And Tatis is coming Thursday. At some point, we're going to need to see some of those individual games where someone's got six, seven total bases, a home run, a double, a home run, a double, and a single. Like We're still waiting on a couple of those games, and that's the type of performance that can win a game for you. And it's going back to the consistency, right? Cronoworth had one on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And then there was nothing today, right? Exactly. Uh, there's one game, Nelson Cruz, six RBIs, that one game. I no know doubt. he's platoon, so he's game. not going to do that consistently. But yep. yeah, you got to have it consistently consistently from one guy and then the next day, maybe another guy if that guy's not on that day or not having success against that particular guy that day. Yeah, it just goes back to the consistency point. Um, not coming through with runners in scoring position. With the stars that are on this team, you think at some point one of those star players will be able to do that multiple times in a game. Or one time in a game, a big home run. Uh, Grisham did that on Thursday night with the two-run home run. Obviously, that only tied the game. But little things like that. But the order, I think you could say they've had some okay moments this year. Um, we're hoping that they can step up a little bit more. Jim still sucks, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but like, let's go through like 
are concerned levels with these guys. Like Manny, I don't think we're concerned with Manny. So I think there's a little more concern there, but I think he can turn it around. I think it's just a matter of when is he going to turn it around? How long is it going to take for him to turn it around? Uh, Cronenworth, I'm not worried about stuff like that, you know. Um, no, Jim's not sabotaging Ben's internet, we don't think, but it's a possibility, to be honest. Um, JD's third says hitting is contagious. Will that be sold as March? I kind of like it. And it's early, and we are fine. I like all of it. Let me say this, because you know me. I've been the biggest, I've been as big of a Juan Soto apologist as there is in the town, at least on radio. You know what I mean? And I'm finally willing to say I'm concerned. I'm not saying I'm worried. But I'm concerned. I still believe, like I said earlier, I think he'll find his way out of it. I really, truly, honestly believe that. And I would tell you if I didn't. But if we fast forward a month and it's the exact same, it's going to be really tricky because there's no there's no easy answer. You don't sit Juan Soto. Of course, you could for a day. And maybe that's what sometimes that works. Look at Jay Cronworth. So sure, you could sit any player for any day. He'll never be sent anywhere. Let's be clear. So, okay, he's not going anywhere. He's not working on anything anywhere. He's he's going to be plugged into the lineup every single day, as he should be. Like a Manny Machado, when he you know if he struggles, he needs to be plugged into the lineup every single day. And you can put it on. And I I know the Mets. I want to say their media team was talking about, hey, the Padres coaches haven't done a good job, or the Padres you know staff has not done a good job with Juan Soto. This starts and and when you're a superstar player, it starts and ends with you. I mean, we can pretend like. Is it Scott Coolball or whomever is gonna? I mean, you, you gotta put that. This is on Juan Soto to get out of. That's who it's on. He's got to figure out the answers here. He's got to watch his film of his time in DC. He's got to know what's going on between his ears. This is on Juan Soto. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I'll be honest, it's 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 a little perplexing. But you know, he hit in spring, he hit in the WBC, he had the oblique. I was willing to excuse it a little bit because of the oblique. I mean. Ben, if we pulled up his Petco Park numbers, it's crazy. I mean, he just has not hit at all at Petco Park. Is it is it trying to do too much? Maybe. I mean, that's definitely a possibility. But it's like, at what point is it not a small sample size when you go back to last year and carry it through today? You're looking at a half season of time with the postseason. Yeah, and that's what I asked on my show today. Like, how long is it's early? Is it 40 games? Is it 60 games? Like, right. what is it? Uh, with the Padres just this season, with Juan Soto uh, just as a Padre. And, yes, Petco Park, it's not a hitter's ballpark. Nope. I, definitely, we all understand that. But it's still Juan Soto. You, you still think that he's still going to be able to produce, uh, maybe not to the level of Washington, but still around that level. And he just hasn't been able to do it. I know Juan Soto is trying to work his butt off to find an answer to this. We know that he does work hard. He does care. Of course he cares. He has a big contract coming up. Like, he wants that money. So, of course, he's going to be motivated. And he wants to be better. So, I don't think if any fan wants to question work ethic or anything like that, like, I don't think he should be questioning that. I think we're all just sitting here wondering why, what is happening, why is it happening, and Soto obviously is wondering that same thing right now because he's had comments to, uh, to the media wondering it aloud as well. And I, I just don't know when he's going to figure it out. 
First of all, I want to I want to thank Pedro for hanging out tonight because me and Pedro had a little bit of a tiff. What night was that, Pedro? And it's all because we're because we're family, by the way, Pedro. So it's good to have you back. He says, "There you go, John. Now you're getting somewhere. Just play fair and down the middle, fair and balanced reactions to the team." I, Pedro, I want to say, and correct me if I'm wrong, you can comment in the chat. I want to say you were critical of me the other night because you didn't think I was critical enough. Which you know me, Pedro, and you certainly know when Jim's going to get back. I mean, I'm offering you my my honest opinion. I I really am. I think on Friday I was probably excusing away. I'm like, well, you know, what were they at the time? Seven and eight, or like it's you know, I'm like it's 15 games, and I've seen these things play out before, and they're one week away from being really good. Now you could say they're one week away from being really bad. That that's fair. If there's two sides to that coin. If they have a bad series against the Braves, lose two out of three, and a bad series against the Diamondbacks, it's a problem. You know, I mean, they could be three, four, five games under 500, but, but they could also have a good series against the Braves and a good series against the Diamondbacks. And then they'd be in pretty good position going to Chicago, you know, taking on a, a whatever, a blah team, and then going to Mexico City to take on the Giants. So, Pedro, I'm glad to have you here in the chat. Seriously, am. So, thank you for hanging out. And yeah, I mean, the Soto stuff, I mean, I, it's hard because then I read it. You should check out this article, Ben. You really should. The Chelsea James thing in the Washington Post. Because, um, you know, the other thing you got to think about with Soto, like you said, he, he knows he turned down $440 million. No human being in the history of the world has turned down $440 million in any capacity. Right? There's like five examples. Maybe you could have sold your company. Um, you could have been a professional football player. I mean, think about the op- the times that, that anyone's had that presented to them and then said no to it in the history of the world. This doesn't happen every day. And is there a mental aspect to this sport? You better damn believe there is. Because having spent my whole career around it, yes, you can get lost quick. And it's not because of getting lost physically. Now, Soto told Chelsea Jane today he thinks it's more mechanical than anything else. So... I don't know, but I just hope it gets resolved sooner rather than later because I know that the it's only going to intensify the pressure that he's facing as the days pass. If it's mechanical, wouldn't he just be able to know what he was doing with Washington, how he was feeling with Washington? Is the pregame preparation different than what it was with Washington? Is the game planning, the video, uh, is it different? Is, is he not watching video now as much as he was then? Is he watching he's too much video? Like- if you watch video of Soto in 2021 and vote, video of Soto in 2023, it's near identical. Swing plane, hands, stance. Um, he equated to, we'd have to read it, and I, I don't want to completely you know, butcher it, but it was. he says he's trying, he's envisioning hitting a line drive to short. That's that's what he's really going when he's envisioning a ball kind of over short, but he's still turning over on it. Like he he's still like little happy feet maybe or like quickened, even though he's trying. So basically, and I said it when he was in New York. I think he had no for four. He had two long flats. I'm like he's gonna go go good because he had a couple of balls to the opposite field with loft. And I remember when he did that last year. That would get him going. A little bit. It would never be for a long period of time, but he could get going for three, four, five days when he started going to the opposite field. He's not going to the opposite field near as much as he needs to. To your point, you talked about doing it in the cage. He's aware of it. I mean, he literally told Chelsea Jans today he's fully aware of it, but for whatever reason, it's not computing. Maybe it's the way he's being pitched. Maybe it's the way he's approaching things when he gets into the box. But um, I think he's aware of what he needs to do, and it's just not equating. Is it, I mean, 
I feel like we're trying to, or I'm trying to make too many excuses for him. Like, is it the him not having Kevin Long with him as a hitting coach? Like, there's that he in there too. More than Kovac and Flaherty and the other uh, Burkhardt, I think the other hitting assistant, like. But shit, I, I don't mean, know. It's Juan Soto. Gonna, he should be able yeah, to know what. That's the thing. It's like if you're going to give someone five hundred million, you better not have to give him a hitting coach too. You know, I mean, it's like this is this is on Juan Soto right now, and I mean, you're talking about the National League front runner two weeks ago to win the the MVP. I mean, he, he you, you're looking at guys that in Zips projections, fan graphs, Baseball Reference. I mean, the projections are through the roof with this player. So he's fully capable, and you just wonder what's going on internally. That's what I'm worried about because he says it's mechanical, but I know he turned down $440 million. I know he's trying to impress the Padres and his teammates, and I thought the offseason would kind of do him a lot. And for whatever reason, it just hasn't happened as of yet. Pedro, love you, man. Thank you. Really do. Thank you for hanging out. Um, Okay, let me get to uh, our buddy here, Jackham Cronengerth, of course. Sure, that's your real name, right? Thank you for the super chat. He says, uh, Melvin didn't want to throw Nola under the bus, but Austin hit the wrong button. Um, in any event, Darvish and staff have to do better holding runners. Yet, yeah, I don't know if you heard Melvin. Melvin said that it was a misfunction, so to speak, of Pitchcock. But in actuality, the thing is like a computer, and I think it was actually Nola. Like you said, there's two settings. And Nola was on the wrong setting when he hit the button. Therefore, that led to the, the throw over. Yeah, but also earlier in the week with Sal York. Yep. He say he pressed a someone he pressed a pitch and it came with something else. Correct. But what they said is pitches, it would be on the same mode. So I don't know how I get this one just speeding because of the pitch block. That one I don't understand. So it's it's just a lot of things. Like I wish there was like a pregame segment or a post-game segment somewhere where Mark Grant or someone is going over what Pitchcom looks like and the buttons and what it actually – because we have no idea – have we seen what it looks like? Have we seen these different modes? Just, we're just hearing what Austin Nola and Bob Mellon are saying about this. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a really good point. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, I, I'm with you on pro- – I think Melvin did that, to your point, Cronengirth. <laughs> Um, they need to hold runners on. And like I said, if I'm every team, when they, when they're facing the Padres, when they're looking at a scouting report, how do I take advantage of this team? How do I maximize my ability to win score? They're saying they have to shut down a run game. Let's just run on them until they stop it. I mean, and if you have capable runners, they're just running. And it's not like they've, it's not like teams have, you know, stolen on average three bases per game. That's not the case. They've allowed what 23 and, you know, whatever that is, 17 games, that's a high total. I mean, it's a really high total. It's a year ago, you say, what, 23 stolen bases allowed in 17 games? That's that's impossible to even imagine. So it's a crazy high total. And against teams that have speed, it's just going to, it's not going to stop until the Padres prove they can stop it. So it's going to be interesting to watch how that dynamic plays out. And to Ben's point, it's like, well, you're just going to have to deal with it. You're going to have to pitch better. You're going to have to get out of innings, even when still stolen bases occur. Um, which is something they unfortunately couldn't get out of in that second inning here today. Uh, JD's third, thank you for the super. He says, who's get, who gets fired <laughs> um, if they're below 500 for the season? Bo Mid, AJ Tingler, Preller, or do they coast 10 years off last season? Any consequences for failure? Uh, okay, in a hypothetical, which I don't envision, and I know Ben's not going to tell you he envisions it either. 
let's say the team went 80 and 82. Okay, let's just say it. <laughs> um, they missed the postseason. Bob Melvin will be back in 2024. AJ Preller will be back in 2024. Could there be changes on the staff? Absolutely. Could there be changes underneath AJ Preller in the front office? Absolutely. But no high-level changes. Ruben Diablo would be back. Bob Melvin would be back. AJ Preller would be back. Assistant GMs would be back, right? <laughs> and I, I don't know how you'd explain it away, but I don't. I can't see any changes between 2023 and 2024 under that scenario. Can you? No, unless like there's some Ken Rosenthal athletic deep article like there was that one year that came out about dysfunction and Preller yep. and Bob yep. Melvin totally not agreeing with each other. Right. Like then okay maybe, but. This is on the players. If they don't make the postseason, it's on the players. Bob Melvin's one of the best managers in baseball. A.J. Preller has done, I think, one heck of a job of putting this team in position to go win a World Series. Now, there's going to be more moves probably before the trade deadline to improve the team. But I think he's done a great job. Peter Seidler, he loves A.J. Preller. He loves Bob Melvin for all we know. So, yeah, this would not be on management. This would be on the players. This would be on Juan Soto not performing. It would be on Manny Machado or Chick Cronenworth or Fernando Tatis Jr. or the pitching. It would be on them. Like, the management can only do so much. They're not the ones on the field. They are making decisions on paper. Okay, is this team in the best spot possible to go win this game today? That's all they can control. And Bob Melvin, sometimes the right move that he makes doesn't work out. That doesn't mean it wasn't the right move. It just didn't work out. So, yeah, it's it's on the players. A couple of funny texts I want to get to her comments. Charlie says Ben must be using Jim's 2022 <laughs> internet provider. Um, Brett says Ben, tell your mom to get off Netflix. Um, Anthony says Ben sounds like he's sitting in a dunk tank. It's It's been good or bad and bad. Listen, Jim's been just – Jim's been worse at times, so we're good. Um, we're going to hang out for another – Ben, you got another handful of minutes? Yeah. Yeah, we can hang out for another. My internet so. doesn't. My, yeah, my yeah. internet might not. I don't know. If you want to make sure we get your comment, if there's anything you want to get to tonight, if the Padres have fallen under 500 again at 8 and 9, they have a very challenging series coming up, if we're being honest. If you look at these pitching matchups, they're not exactly ideal. They are at home. They did just take three out of four from Atlanta. They need to find a way, certainly, to get a game and ideally get two games here at home against the Braves before leaving for Phoenix, where Fernando Tatis Jr. will return. Thursday night for the Padres. You know, there's something here, Malachi, that, you know, I tend to agree with. And I think we've kind of touched on it or dabbled around it here today. We talked about the catching situation heading into the year. He says failure front office to not see the change in the run game in 2023. I don't know at the end of the season how valuable the run game is going to be, but I know it's going to be infinitely more valuable than it was a year ago. I don't know how many wins it could create or losses it's going to create. For the Padres this year, I don't know how quantifiable that is, but it's got to be something that the front office is seriously thinking about and the coaching staff as well. The impact that the run game is going to have, I think right now you'd say negatively on the Padres and how to negate that moving forward. But that's an interesting way to look at it. I don't know what type of defensive catcher Brett Sullivan is. I don't know what kind of arm he has. I don't know what kind of role he could potentially play in 2023. I just don't know. But this is something that I think is a fair comment. Yeah, and let's go back to the beginning or before the season started, right? There were reports about the Padres being 
really disappointed that they missed out on Christian Vasquez. They weren't yeah. able to sign him. So they were trying to improve this catching part of this team. Uh, Camposano, unless some, some big trade happened, he was always going to be here. And Austin Nola, unless they got Vasquez, he was always going to be here. The pitchers trust him. So if they got Vasquez and he ended up going to Minnesota, if they ended up getting him, then maybe Nola's gone. But you'd have Vasquez, who's that's an upgrade. Mm-hmm. You don't have Vasquez. So where else were they? Were, they just weren't going to go anywhere else. Right. I mean, Camposano, they got to give him a shot. I think you'll see some more of him once he gets out of this thumb issue. Mm-hmm. And where else are you going to go? Nola, that's who you were going to go with. Like It's kind of like, this is the position they put themselves in when they made that trade for Nola, and it hasn't worked out the way they thought it was going to. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, he had a nice, you know, 30 days in 2020 during the pandemic. And, you know, he caught every inning of the postseason last year, and it was a really good postseason. And he deserves credit for, what, did he throw out Mookie Betts in one of those games at Dodger Stadium, yep. maybe game two? I mean, he, so he's had some moments. Like, it hasn't all been bad. It hasn't been you know, Austin Hedge's only career here. He's had some moments for really good teams, but right now it's not working very well, and they just cannot stop opponent run games, and that's that's a problem um, right now. I want to get to this from Pedro. Who says, uh, is anyone going to like Elsinore Tuesday to see Tatis? So is is the plan for Tatis maybe to give it a go just one more time? Like just looking ahead here, if he plays Thursday, could he travel Monday, play Tuesday, travel Wednesday, play Thursday? I think he's going back to Petco tomorrow. Okay. And then go to Lake Elsinore Tuesday, and then go back with the team Wednesday. Wednesday to travel, travel to Arizona, I think, because the suspension is almost do. over. I think Major League yep. Baseball they allow Tatis to be with the team when it's right almost over like that. I know last season he couldn't he couldn't be there when the team was like on the field and batting practice had started and a certain amount of time before the game. I think before, like when fans entered the stadium, he couldn't be there. But he's around. He's allowed to be with the team, so mm-hmm. I think that's the plan right now. Here's the thing, and I said it yesterday on the radio. I'm like, the worst scenario. There's a fine line here. You need him to get reps because you want him to hit the ground running, but you cannot force the issue with him now. Okay, you do. Like you, the worst thing is something happens. You know, Musgrove falls on his shoulder in a rehab start. It's baseball, so things can happen. You get hit by a pitch. Uh, you tweak a hamstring. All these things are possible. Just as being a human being, anything is possible. That could happen in the big leagues too. Don't get me wrong, but but you can't have him suffer any setback from the here on out. The the way he's locked in, uh, I'm all for it. Now, I'm not going to not play on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. That's just too much in my opinion. So he's got to play, and I like the game plan. I like the idea of getting him back in California, seeing him Monday, maybe going over whatever signs, uh, seeing the training staff, um, you know, getting yourself – you know, in the same state of mind as the team is, then go play another, go see another, you know, go have another live game experience Tuesday, then go travel Wednesday and get ready to go Thursday because he has to hit the ground running. Of course, the worst thing that could possibly happen is something happens to him between now and Thursday. So it's a little, I get it from the Padres' perspective, but sometimes I'm like, man, why isn't he playing more in spring training or why is he not playing more in AAA? But like, they got to think about, <laughs> maximizing him once it really counts. Yep. And I think to the to their credit, they, they've done a nice job with that, and hopefully he does hit the ground running come Thursday. Yeah, and I, I, I don't think that he's going to, like, suck it up on Thursday or at the beginning of this, but I also don't want to have fans – I know they're going to, 
but I don't want them to overreact if he has a tough opening series against Arizona. Sure. Because Major League pitching is different from AAA pitching, and sometimes baseball is hard. Mm-hmm. And he might have been playing really good in, in a minor league El Paso action, and maybe it was a good game on Tuesday against Lake Elsinore. But what if he runs into Zach Gallon and Merrill Kelly? And what if the rest of the offense doesn't have a good night? Are you gonna? Is all the focus gonna be on Tatis and oh, Tatis didn't do his job, or are we gonna focus on the rest of off, rest of the offense as well that has been at the major league level now for weeks in this season? Yeah, no, I mean it's it's well said. I mean if you you know you can't overreact to any one series. I mean he could have two home runs in Arizona and say, wow, he's gonna hit four. You know, okay, it's one series. I mean just because he hits two home runs in Arizona doesn't mean he's gonna hit forty home runs, and just because he doesn't homer in Arizona doesn't mean he's not going to hit 40 home runs so you have to be a little careful um but we know like soto it'll intensify and the the, the road is going to be interesting what he has to deal with on the road is going to be fascinating can he use that to fuel him will the team feed off it i hope so i i, th- I think there's a scenario where it's kind of galvanizing it brings people together if he can succeed despite what he's going to have to deal with day in and day out on the road i think that could be really beneficial for the team, but with all that being said, he's a human being, and it's not going to be easy. It's not. It's not going to be what he's dealt with previously. He's going to have to, you know, overcome some things, and hopefully, he's capable of doing that. Um, while we have a moment, I do want to thank our new partner here. No, nope, not the merch. I want to thank our new partner here on the wrap up show, Underdog Fantasy. This is a great, great company. If you are playing fantasy sports, you need to do it with our newest partner. Underdog Fantasy, it's the easiest place to play fantasy sports. And why do I say that? Because there's no league management aspect. Okay, you do a draft, which everyone loves, and that's it. There's no waivers. There's no trades. There's no lineup setting. And if you use promo code PODSWRAP, P-A-D-S-W-R-A-P, at underdogfantasy.com, you'll double your first deposit up to $100. Make a deposit of $10, get $10 free dollars. Make a deposit of $50, get $50 free dollars, so on and so forth, all the way to $100. Promo code PODSWRAP, P-A-D-S-W-R-A-P, at underdogfantasy.com. They've got pickums where you're just picking hires or lowers with a chance to win 20 times your money. And they also have the daily drafts, which are awesome, especially if you're into MLB daily fantasy. So use promo code PODSWRAP, P-A-D-S-W-R-A-P. Do it at underdogfantasy.com. There's no easier place to win and play fantasy sports, and there's no stressing about the league management. No waivers, no trades. You don't have to set up your lineup as well. If you support this channel, please check out underdogfantasy.com. Again, underdogfantasy.com. All right, final five minutes here, guys. Padres lose one nothing to the Brewers here today, Sunday, two hours and 22 minutes. They'll get the Braves tomorrow night. Um, the pitching matchup tomorrow. Ryan Weathers, right, goes for the Padres. And who is it? Max Freed, right? Max Freed, yep. And then Strider the next game, and then Charlie yeah. Morton the next game. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it's tough. Really tough, really tough. Freed's been good, so has Weathers. Um, Strider's been good. Snell has not. And then Morton's been solid. And Nick Martinez, it's early, has been up and down. Um, for the Padres. So like I was saying, I mean, of course you want to win every series you play. Two out of three is great, especially against the Atlanta Braves. It'd be a five and two, you know, you know, record in the, on the year against the Braves. One out of three, I don't think is the end of the world. Yeah, you'd fall two games under 500, 
but it's a lot better than the alternative of not winning a game in this series. So, uh, you know, I don't see this as some easy series. I don't see this as a game where, or a series where you're going to find a way to score 10 runs in a game, if I'm being honest. So you got to find a way to win a close game. You got to find a way to get this thing to your bullpen late where you can preserve a lead with the, you know, Luis Garcia's and Josh haters of the world. And hopefully you can win one or two times like that uh, beginning tomorrow night. Yeah, and with this Braves team, I mean, as we saw that last series, their lineup is so deep yep. that it just feels like this series, the Padres, they have to be, have some consistency. I know that C word has been big this year, consistency. They have to show it in this Braves series if they want to take two out of three because or sweep even because this Braves team, it just, it's going to keep coming after you. And they have the advantage offensively right now because they're feeling good offensively, they have the big guys there. I know the Padres, they have a lot of offense, but they don't have Tati still. They're waiting for that, you know, right there near the finish line for the suspension. But the Braves, they have everything right now. And they, they're coming off a good series against the Kansas City Royals. So they're, it feels like they're clicking. And they just have a good series without having Max Free, without having Spencer Strider pitch. And we saw nasty Spencer Strider was against the Padres in that one game. Matt Carpenter clipped him that one time, but he was really, really good in that series, in that game against the Padres. So it's going to be tough. Looks like it's going to be a pretty fresh bullpen. Mm-hmm. Hopefully the rotation can provide some length for the Padres this series. Yeah, no, I agree. This is cool, by the way, from Seven Dust. It's good to have you back with us. I know you've been here. Earlier this year, he says, my two favorite Padres sources on at once. Woohoo! LFGSD, Darvish looked awesome. Good morning from Romania. Incredible. Thank you, Seven Dusted, for hanging out. Um, My overall takeaway tonight, and at some point this is going to change. It'll change in a big way. And if you listen tomorrow to John and Jim, when Jim comes back, I'm sure we'll take a very critical eye towards these 17 games so far and losing three out of four to the Brewers. I would just say this. Take solace in the fact that 17 games is not a season, nor is it anywhere close to it. It doesn't guarantee the future. I'm not telling you the next 17 games are going to be better, but there's reasons to believe it could be. A, the schedule is going to ease up. B, you're going to get Fernando Tatis Jr. C, you're going to get Joe Musgrove. D, at some point, maybe the Robert Suarez-Drew Pomerantz combination in some form or fashion bails you out. E, you've got your general manager who's always going to be you know, keeping a – you know, eye on the possible trade market as you get closer to June and July. So it, it's early. I'm not saying that it's been good because I don't think it has really been good, if I'm being honest. But there have been teams that have started eight and nine before that have gotten to the World Series. There's sure there's teams that have been eight and nine that have won the World Series. Nationals a handful of years ago, Dodgers in 2017 and 2018 were under 500 about 30 games into the season. So I don't want to excuse it. I I really don't. I, I'm I'm disappointed like Padres fans are. I think they should be playing uh, better in front of. These huge crowds, 10 home games, eight sellouts, I want to say. They, they should be playing better than they have. And I don't like waiting on Tatis or Musgrove either. But the truth is they're 8-9, and nine, Ben. They're not, like I've been saying, 4-13. and 13. I think 4-13 and 13 is a big problem. I think 8-9 and nine right now isn't a big problem and hopefully can be rectified soon. Yeah. If, if I need to be critical later in the year, I definitely am going to be critical later in the year. But right now, yeah, it, it is early. And I know that it's just there's – there's talent on this team. And I know some fans are sick of people saying that, oh, I believe in the talent yep. and they're going to come around. And If you're frustrated with that, I definitely understand it. But I just don't feel like 
it's the time right now to be all in panic mode when there is this much talent on the team and all of the talent isn't on the roster yet. And we haven't seen a substantial period of time, a lot of games with all the talent on the team. So I just don't think it's fair to fully judge this team yet. You know, Philly, Houston, right? Yeah, like Brent says, mm-hmm. struggling a little bit. Yeah, St. Louis. I, I think they're, I, I think they're, yeah, St. Louis. I think they're going to end up fine. Phillies, I'm a little more worried about than those other two, but those teams, they're going to end up fine. And I think the Padres, they're going to end up fine. It's a long season. It's a roller coaster ride. And there's been a little, some more downs than ups, it feels like so far this year, but there's going to be some ups and we just have to wait for that. Yeah. Well said. Uh, Ben, appreciate you hanging out. Um, Again, for our viewers, if you're here tonight, Jim is still in Cabo. So Ben Fadden filling in from Talking Friars. Great resource for Padres fans. Make sure to find him on YouTube, also on social media. Has as much content as really anyone does in the space. So if you support the wrap-up show, please support Ben Fadden at Talking Friars. Please subscribe, guys, to this channel if you're here. You're on Padres content. Please smash the like button for us. Follow us on Twitter as well, at John Schaefer, at Talking Friars. Appreciate the support with the Supers and the memberships, the merchandise as well. All right, we'll be back tomorrow night following game one of a three-game series. Padres, Braves, Max Freed, Ryan Weathers. Padres trying to get back to 500 and avoid falling two games under 500. Please support our partners, Mark Nimitz at Farmers Insurance, Auto Home, Runner's Life, Earthquake Insurance, and more. Click the description down below. You'll get a link to Mark's website and get a quote online. He is a great, great insurance agent. He can save you a lot of money. He's the title sponsor here. We thank Aura at ORA.Organic for their support of this channel as well. If you are looking to get healthier here, that you know what? I don't even think I did the Aura read. Hold on. Before we get out of here, how did I forget that? Holy moly. Aura, thank you guys. Will, their co-founder. It's an amazing company. I took their probiotic this morning. Probiotics. For digestion, proteins for after workouts, pre-workout supplements, omega-3 oils, sleep supplements, immunity pills. An amazing company located right here in San Diego with products for everyone, yourself, your spouse, your family, your friends. Affordable, easy to get to the website. Click the description down below or go to ORA.organic. Some amazing products. They're all plant-based. So every single product from Aura is plant-based. If you support this channel and you want to support a local business, please check out Aura. It's a way to get healthier this year with their plant-based nutritional products. And take it from me, the probiotic is a must-purchase. If you've never had it before, if you've never tried a probiotic, I'm telling you, it can really be life-changing stuff. So check it out right now at ORA.organic. All right. Thank you, Aura. Thank you, Mark Nimitz. Thank you, underdogfantasy.com. You can use promo code PODSWRAP to get a 100% deposit match up to $100. Ben, appreciate it, my friend. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Jim's an idiot. He really is. That's really well said. I appreciate you you saying that. All right, join us tomorrow on the radio at 3 p.m. Then we'll have a wrap-up show for you tomorrow night as well. For Ben, I'm John. This has been the wrap-up show. Take care, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.